by a round of applause, how many people in here remember tan M&Ms? That is not everybody. Some of y'all been living among us in a tanless M&M world. I'll tell you what the fuck happened to tan M&Ms. 1995. Mars Candy decides that two browns are redundant. They kill off the tans. Said they opened a vote to all of us. Said we voted blue. I didn't vote for shit. They killed tan M&Ms. And that is what happened. I looked it up for this joke. <laughs> I wanted to be funny and factual. The Honeydew with Ryan Sickler. Welcome back to the Honeydew, y'all. We're over here doing it in the Night Pan Studios. You know I am Ryan Sickler, ryansickler.com, and Ryan Sickler on all your social media. I want to say thank you guys right now. Um, the special's doing really well. I can't believe the support. Um, the, the, the channel's growing. So thank you guys. If you haven't watched my special, Lefty Sun, go check it out. Uh, almost died and still brought it to y'all still in the hospital making notes and shit while they're telling me I got clots and stuff in my lungs. So yeah, that happened and boom, 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 boom. There's a free special out on YouTube right now. All right. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, share it, like it, all that good stuff. If you gotta have more, then I'm telling you every week, you gotta check out the Patreon. It's called the honeydew with y'all. And I highlight the lowlights with y'all and y'all have the wildest fucking stories that are out there. We've talked to people who've died. We've talked to someone who had two pussies. We talked to a lady who had, I think it was four assholes. Uh, we talked to a guy that had a double lung transplant. We're out there talking to salt. One, one guy solved the cold case, 18 year old cold case. Go check it out. It's five bucks a month. That's it. There's no tears, no levels, nothing. Sign up for a year. You're getting over a month free. And if you're looking for another podcast and check out an old one called the crab feast, it's one I used to do with Jay Larson and, uh, it's got all the same fans and uh guests i mean on the podcast you know and love today everybody's there and it's audio only so check it out you can listen to it also come see me on tour i'm just getting back out there now end of may may 26th and 27th i'll be in fort wayne indiana june 23rd and 24th tacoma washington and july 7th and 8th appleton wisconsin Unfortunately, Tulsa, uh, the club will not be open in time, so they're telling me we need to reschedule, so the dates for the 21st and 22nd will be rescheduled. All right? That's the biz. Thank you for being patient. You guys know what we're doing over here. We highlight the lowlights. I always say that these are the stories behind the storytellers. And today, I'm very excited to have this guest here. First time on The Honeydew, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Chris Gethard. Welcome to The Honeydew, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you said four assholes. <laughs> Four, it four assholes. It was four. I'm good. If that doesn't get people I'm to almost, sign up for the Patreon, <laughs> that positive. doesn't. At least you at least drop your five bucks to listen to that and then cancel. Right? It's like it's like a buck twenty-five an asshole. They, you know uh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's Come a on. deal. It's a deal. That's a real deal. A deal. You buy in bulk. You buy in bulk. It's the Costco <laughs> yeah. system. Costco for assholes. Well, That's it's a pleasure Patreon. to have you here. Oh, it's a joy. Thanks for having I've me. I've known about you for a while because uh, I really did enjoy your show that you used to have on. Uh, was it? True. True TV, True TV Fusion, first, yeah. and then public access for many years before that. Um, but now you've got a lot going on, of course, as always. I just met you in New York for yeah, the first time. Yeah, paths at the cellar. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. So before we get into whatever we're going to talk about, please plug and promote everything. Sure. Uh, ChrisGeth.com. That's where all my tour dates go. I know I, I'm keeping it slow this summer. I just I just taped the special, so I'm slowing down. But Toronto's coming up. I know that. And then ChrisGeth on Instagram and ChrisGethard on Twitter. And I've got the Beautiful Anonymous podcast, which... I think is a kindred spirit to this show in a, a lot of ways because we just take phone calls from random people and they just talk for an hour and I can't hang up and it gets very intense and I have a feeling there's some crossover there. For sure. So, and yeah. is it one guest each time that one calls guest, in or do you have... One guest, they don't tell me their name. I can't hang up. Some of them are super funny and then some of them are like, you know, I lost a kid or I found out my husband was a, into kitty porn. Oof. You know, like you get the one calls like that. And then you get the calls from like this last week, guy was like, I'm really into yo-yos. Can I just tell you like why I think yo-yos are cool and like who the best yo-yoers are in the yo-yo scene? And I was like, yeah, 
So we get both. We get the light ones, we get the funny ones, the weird ones, All the right. dark ones, and uh, yeah, beautiful anonymous. And I also have a much smaller labor of love called New Jersey is the world about my my home state and my love for it. So you're from New Jersey? Yeah. I, I yeah. It's funny. I feel like Jersey has a pride that uh, I feel Maryland, where I'm from, carries the same sort of pride. Like, I think so. I think um, so. But I mean, Jersey, my neighbor Jen is a big Jersey girl, drives her Jeep, and it's all Jersey girl, Jersey yeah. girl. So what, where did you grow up and what was it like? Grew up in a town called West Orange. Uh, it's a suburb of Newark, New Jersey. I think- you know, kind of overshadowed by New York. Mm -hmm. I think Maryland probably has some of that, right? Like Baltimore is known for like, you know, everybody thinks of it as one thing and it's a little overshadowed by DC and then the suburbs. Right yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a stop in between those two there cities. There you go. Like Jersey has that similar thing. And West Orange was a great town to grow up. It was a very diverse town. Even when I was growing up there in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, racially, economically, and there's a lot of beautiful things about it. it was, if, you know, if we're talking low lights, I will say I also grew up in a way where there was a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends, when I see them, we do still talk about that. It also was a town that was just unnecessarily obsessed with toughness and, uh, so I mean, I have family in Trenton, and I still remember the sign: "Trenton makes the, the world, world takes. takes." And that's the Jersey that's attitude take. right there. You're like taking we make it. stuff, everybody else takes you it. Take like, it that's, you take it. Not we're giving it to you or selling no, it. No, Trenton takes makes it. the world. It's such takes. a specific word, and it's on the side of a bridge <laughs> yeah. in this sort of like like <laughs> yeah. half dead industrial that's town. The whole attitude, like it's yeah. the whole thing. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, definitely bullying. Definitely saw some things growing up that made me not trust people. Definitely had a very arm's length relationship with authority and teachers because there was a lot of a lot of a lot of just growing up. Especially, I have a brother; he's two and a half years older than me, and he really took it hard from the bullies. Is it just the two of you? Yeah. So then I grew up and was kind of like, "All right, I got to learn how to fight," and I was tiny and not really a fighter's personality. And where are you in, uh, interacting with these people in school, sports? School mostly. All of it, school. Yeah, yeah. And and also um, grew up in a neighborhood where almost every family, including mine, was Irish Catholic. Um, There's a lot of Irish Catholic kids. And there was a Catholic school too. We used to hang out in the parking lot at that school. I went to public school, uh, but those kids were, some of those kids still couple I, I was some of my earliest acting gigs was uh, I used to do bits on Conan O'Brien's show like I'm talking 20 years ago 25 years ago at this point when he had the late night you know mm -hmm. the Seth Meyers slot now and I, I someone told me they were in a bar in my hometown and uh they had the TVs running after there must have been some game on NBC and all of a sudden I pop up and this dude's like quiet everybody quiet down that kid's from my neighborhood show some respect they're in the volume up and my friend who related this story to me goes, he, he's telling me, I go, who was it? And he tells me the name. I was like, that's crazy because if that guy was crossing the street in front of me, I'd hit the gas, not the brakes <laughs> to this day. I, I fantasize about that motherfucker's death and he's the one showing hometown pride. All right. So just grew up in a way where I just really learned not to trust. You were know? your parents together? Parents were together and my household was pretty great. Okay. Um. My parents both grew up in the neighborhood. How old are you? I'm, I'm about to turn 43. Okay. Born so 1980. What's your What's your parents' mentality to this bullying? Is it a sticks and stones sort of thing? Or are they like, you need to defend yourself? Like, where are they at? They need, you need to defend yourself. Okay. I remember distinctly one of, one of my formative childhood memories was my dad once. My brother once was dealing with some bully. My dad came home. And he was like, well, then, you know, if they hit you, you hit them harder. If you see them coming, you get the first shot. And then he goes, if you have to, you pick up a rock. You bash in their skull if you have to. Jesus Christ. And my brother, my brother, to his credit, was like, dad, chill. You know, yeah, like my yeah, brother yeah. was like an artsy, weird kid who was like, nah, I don't think that's me. I, on the other hand, was like, yeah, rock, got it. And to this day, I'm still unwrapping some. I mean, my dad, I got multiple stories about my dad tracking down some of these kids really and, and telling them you know going to their parents or to the kids one bully in particular who uh yeah tell me he went to their parents first because it was it was because look it's also i feel some sympathy for these kids because there was also houses in my neighborhood where it's like 
you knew, okay, that those kids are, they never go home. Yeah. And you start to learn, oh, because their right. parents are drinkers or their parents hit them. Yeah. And you learn, oh, that's why they're out all night. Right. They don't want to go home. It's not safe at home. But now they're out getting into, and they're taking out that anger on the smaller kids and the kids whose last names spell the words get hard. You know, or the kids <laughs> with glasses. Like, it was what it was. Um some uh, this is one kid in particular. I remember my dad went to his father a couple times and was like, "This the bullshit needs to stop." And the dad was like, "I tried to talk to him and this," and then kept getting worse and worse. And one day, my dad found him hanging out in a parking lot. How old was the kid at the time? He was seventeen at the time. That's oh, so the core to the story because my dad goes, "You're seventeen, huh?" And he's like, "So what?" My dad goes, "Okay, well, if I wait a year, I'll get in a lot less trouble." The kid just stared at him, and my dad goes, "You know." Long story short, my dad basically said to him, someday I have this bad feeling. I'm going to be driving home and there's going to be an accident. And if there is, I just have this terrible feeling that if I ever hit you with a car, it's gonna, I'm going to hit you so fucking hard. It takes them weeks to find your body in the woods. <laughs> he told that to like a teenager, like threatened. That's you know? scary. My dad, my, and my dad's a great guy. My dad's a great guy. Never laid a hand on me. But like, also, I, I, it's funny. I've been telling some of these stories on stage and I've had a couple of buddies who I'm still tight with from growing up come and see that. And I told, I told that story. I just taped a special for Audible that'll come out later this year. And that story's in it, a longer version of it. And I had a buddy, my friend, Bonaduce. He's He co-hosts that New Jersey podcast. And he was like, dude, I never forgot the first time I met your dad. He's because this kid grew up on the other side of town. So he was in high school. He was actually my brother's friend first. And uh, he came over and he's like, your dad was sitting in his armchair. And he was like, you're Nick, right? And he's like, yes, sir. He's like, I've heard about you, which is already an ominous thing to say. You know, and he said, he's like, your dad got up, gave me a handshake. That was like a man handshake. Like I was a kid and he made sure he gave me the man handshake. And he was like, the second your dad shook my hand, I, he's like, I always remember thinking like, this guy seems like a, a good man. And I never, ever want him mad at me. That was his initial impression. Yeah. I mean, my dad has a story from when I was a baby. My mom tells this one of, um, we lived in a part of town that was just, you know, for a suburban town that is generally a good town. It was the sketchiest pocket. And uh, there's some, he had just bought his first house and there were some kids, they were vandalizing the house. They kept kicking in the aluminum door. My dad put up this brand new door and these kids kicked it in and he'd hammer it out. And he's like, this you know, my dad didn't have any money. He's like, it's, you know, it represents so much. This door he put mm -hmm. on his house and he started sleeping on the porch at night. He, on, under a pile of blankets. And it for like, cause they did it more than one night. It happened two or three times. He's like, fuck this. And my mom eventually sleeping out there a couple of nights. My mom's like, this is crazy. Like you're sleeping on the porch. He's like, you're right. So if he, finally he goes back to bed that night. They show nah. up, kick it. And he's like, fuck this, you know? <laughs> So he goes back out into this nest of blankets that he's built. And next night he hears them coming. He wakes up. He's like, oh shit, I think it's them. And they, boom, they kick in the door. He comes flying out. And my dad is uh, 6'2", 220. I, I, I look like my mom's side of the family. He's bigger. Mm -hmm. And he chased these kids into a park. And, and um, there was a chain across the parking lot to keep cars out at night. He didn't know that. And he hit it and he went face down in all this mud. So he's like this huge guy. And he cornered them in the park, um, up this wall and uh, a few of them, he managed to get them where they, he was in front of them and there was no place for them to go. And uh, like I said, a lot of the families in this neighborhood, two, three generations, my parents met at the Catholic school. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, you know, you start to realize everybody's parents have crossed paths. You Larry Johnson's kid. Exactly, like a lot of that. Yeah, so yeah. my dad's like, which one of you kicked the door? Which one of you kicked the door? And nobody's answering him. Like nobody wants to rat. And my dad points at one kid and he's like, well, I know which family you're from. And he drops the kid's last name. He's like, I know, I know your folks. Your dad's my dentist. It's like that type yeah, of thing, you know, of of like yeah. your dad probably towed my car at some point yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, so if you don't want to tell me, I know which one you are so I can track you down. And he goes, you either tell me which one did kick my door or I'm assuming you did it. And I'm coming back here with a pipe and I'm bashing in your fucking head. Jesus my dad says that to a kid, you know? <laughs> and uh, at that point, the cops showed up. <laughs> yeah. And my dad, of course, my dad is also like, he put himself through school in three years. He eventually went and got a PhD later in life. He's a smart, reasonable guy, but We're he has just, a son. I'm a little older than 50. Yeah. I'm seven years older than you. We're a weird pocket of men in time right now. Yeah. Our dads 
and grandfathers fought in world wars and Vietnam and yeah. things Korea and and we're like I want to make people laugh you know or I want to dance and I we're like about it what all the, the time fuck now. are you talking about I have a four year old son now too and I'm sitting here going like I don't want him to re- I don't want him to be ra- like I remember seeing kids where it's like this kid who was like a sports star in my town and he missed a foul shot at the end of a game. Mm-hmm. And as we all left, we saw his dad had him cornered and was like lacing it. How could you miss that fucking shot? You embarrassed me. I'm like, I can't even imagine. Dads right now, I think most of us, I'm sure that still happens. But by and large, you'd see that today. You'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that's oh, not, yeah, that's not how we want to raise our no, sons. No, you'd intervene. You'd step in. Yeah, you'd like, go, sure. at, at the very least, you'd be like, step away and take yeah, a breath. Come on, dude. So it's like- Then you're like, our, what the fuck did you do? But like you said, our dads were like Vietnam, World yeah, War II. Yeah, And we're trying to raise sons. But it's like, how do we become this new type of dad when the, we're the ones who the example was set very different. We're the hinge. Yeah. So anyway, the cops showed up in this park and my dad immediately just turns around and of course it's like, oh, officer, so good to see you. Like it was, And the cops are like, we're not worried about the kids. We're, covered, we're worried about the mud covered lunatic ranting about hitting people with pipes. Yeah. And then- um. But they, the cops knew these kids. They, they, this park historically in my town, Colgate Park in West Orange, was like that delinquents hung out there. So they quickly realized what was happening. And my dad got home. He found out my mom called the cops on him. No. Yeah, because my brother was two and a half. I was a newborn. My mom's like, he's gonna kill a kid and go to jail. Like he's gonna kill a kid. So there was some chaos in the neighborhood. And like I said, though, I'm also completely obsessed with where I grew up mm-hmm. and represent it to this day. But there was a lot of that. And I, I remember like, as far as the bullying goes too, like stuff like um, we started here and there were kids. So we lived right on the border of West Orange and Orange. And Orange is a tougher town. We started here in a middle school. There's some kids from Orange coming up and they're like jumping people and taking stuff. So my buddy and his older brother, one day they go to walk home from school and there's these kids standing just on the other side of the fence by these billboards on Main Street in our town. My buddies and his brother are like, oh shit, it's those kids from Orange. So they go back to the school and they're like, so there's these rumors that people keep getting jumped and we're pretty sure the kids doing it are right there. And they're like, oh, where are they? And they go, they're out in front of the billboards. And the people they talk to in the office just go, oh, well, that's not on school property. And they're like, it's on the other side of a chain link. Like we can see them from the front steps <laughs> of the school. It's yeah. right there. And they're like, it's not school property. It's not, it's, it's not our problem. And my friends are like, so what do we do? And they're like, it's not school. Pro-. And then my friends step off school property. These kids beat the shit out of them, take their Walkman and go back to Orange. And that's the type of thing that I just saw too much of. My, like stuff like that, where it was just like, I don't trust anybody and I don't trust adults. And that was- And what age does that start for you? Elementary school or uh, middle uh, school? A lot of it started like- Elementary school and also having, my brother's three grades ahead of me. And I remember him coming home and dealing with it. So even as I was entering school, I was vaguely aware of like, okay, bad things can happen at school. And then especially when he hit junior high, it was always like, I I always feel so awful because my brother, he would walk in with it untested, but, and then I'd be aware of how to navigate it a little better. So it was kind of like, by the time I was in like, fourth, fifth grade, I was seeing what was happening to him in the junior high. And I was like, I'm gonna have to fucking go there. Yeah, he's the Marines and you're the Navy. He's, he's the canary. He's going. He's the first. canary who gets yeah. sent into the coal mine. But also you know? I go back to thinking about your father too. This is his name. This is, he, he's certainly has heard this kind of bullshit growing up. So it makes sense to me that he's like, listen, you little motherfuckers. Dude. Like, I'm sure it's a trigger for him. There's no way you have the last name that's spelled get hard and, and his, you don't have guys from the sixties busting Dude, you want to get it even better? His first name is Ken. He's Kenneth. His name is Ken Gethard. No. I swear to God. His Chris. older brother, my uncle Bill, will get hard. My grandfather was less, less get hard. <laughs> no. I don't know why. I'm Stop. S- will get hard. I'm C. Paul get hard. My brother, <laughs> my brother is Greg Ken get hard. Like we just keep picking names that make it's it worse. It's not Greg Ken get hard. Greg, Greg, it is not. Greg dude, get it through. is not. Greg Ken. It's like why do we keep making it worse? So, dude, you'll love this because you're liking these stories about my dad. <laughs> so, dude, when I. I had a point in like, I feel so bad because it was like my mid twenties, all of a sudden I started to realize I could talk to my dad. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I feel awful because he, re- at one point he and I were talking about that. 
And I was like, because he used to ask me to help him move whenever they moved. And I was like, that's when I felt like you and I finally could like let our guards down. And he was like, you were like 27, 28 when we, and I was like, he's like, you couldn't let your guard down around me until I was like, yeah, man. Like if I'm being honest, yeah. Like I just, you were a hardworking guy. I never wanted to piss you off. You were great dad. Like, and Talk I, I told him, kids, skulls you're great dad, but you were an enforcer too, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, I said to him once, once I was in that stretch in my late twenties, I go to him, I was like, you know, we took some shit for the get hard thing. Like, did anybody, did people ever fuck with you with the Ken get hard thing? And he gave me the ultimate, my dad answer. He goes, yeah, it happened once. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh, oh shit. Ain't playing <laughs> He told me it happened once. You get your ass whooped. And I grew up in the same neighborhood. You know what I mean? I grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And all the kids fucking with us were the kids of the kids, people he grew up with. Right. By Those dads should have been like, hey, there was a core to me, group man. of families yeah. where he knew who they were. They all went to the, there were like five or six Catholic schools in Essex County, New Jersey. Everybody went and knew who, my mom went to the Valley. My dad went to Essex Catholic. Oh, that person went to East Orange Catholic. That person went here. They, that, that. Everybody knew each other's families and histories. And all your grandparents were Irish Catholics. Who See helped. you at bingo, motherfucker. You all went to church, same church on Sunday, the same, every, the Irish American club, blah, blah, blah. So my dad knew these kids. And I'm like, man. That's an amazing answer. It happened once. And then he told me, he said, because my dad's a gentle guy and he was always a shy, he was like a, a bigger shy, he was kind of a shy, nerdy guy growing up, but bigger. Mm -hmm. And he said it happened once and he set an example and it never happened again. And I was like, God damn. What's the worst um, bullying you ever had? <sighs> For me personally. Did people ever put hands on you? Oh, Regularly. Regularly? In school and shit too? When I tell you that sixth, seventh, eighth grade, if you ask anybody I went to junior high school with, they will verify. My my town my town has a section called up the hill and down the hill. <laughs> and it's exactly what you assume. Yep. Up the hill, it's a lot nicer. Yeah. So the high school had some rough edges, but the middle well, school shit flows downhill. Exactly. That's the way it works. So the junior high school was rougher because that was the split. The junior high was all the downhill the kids concentrated in one place. The high school it kind of diluted a, a little mm -hmm, bit. Mm -hmm. And you could find some friends from some more stable areas of town. You know, you could spread out a little bit. When I tell you that there was a physical fight in my junior high school almost every single day. For you. I'm no, not for me, but oh. in general. Sure. You were you were gonna at least see a fight every day. It was more often than not true. Um, and, and for me, I remember probably. I mean, I saw saw a lot of bad stuff. For me, probably the worst. It got. I remember once a kid once in my gym class picked me up and threw me across the gym. What? Yeah, and I landed in a. They had had the badminton net set up, and I landed on a bunch of badminton equipment, and I picked up a racket and hit him so hard that the thing broke. Fuck yeah! Where'd you get him? Uh, I think across like his shoulder and chest, and they got broken up. And I remember my dad picking me up, and he walked in and he was so pissed. And then when we were driving home, I realized he wasn't necessarily pissed that I stood up for myself. Cause me and the other kid were both sitting in the office. He's like, that kid was a fucking foot taller than you. He's like, are you crazy? I'm like, what? I gotta let them know at least that, you know, at least it's gonna stop. But I, I remember once uh, for me, and like I said, my brother took it worse. But I uh, I remember once being in the parking lot of uh, the Our Lady Lord's Church and this one kid was there and just walked up to me and he was probably at five, six years older than me this Puerto Rican kid in our neighborhood. And he didn't say a word to me. And he just walked up. And I saw that all the other guys from his crew, like all the other kids his age were watching. And I was like, what's, I could tell. And he just, went, he walked up six years older and he punched me in the face. Damn. Not a word. We'd never had a problem. He just decided, and I got up and he was laughing and I tried to swing back and he just hit me again a couple times. And, uh, I got out of there. But I mean like that, like unprovoked, just like, hey guys, watch this, pow. Like that was happening. I, I, to, to put it in perspective, I got a Instagram DM maybe 18 months ago. Okay. So I was in my forties. Yeah, this is, I would say that's recent. Yeah. Considering. It's this dude, he goes, hey man, I grew up in your neighborhood. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. And I did, he grew, he grew up down near Colgate Park, but he was a really good kid. 
I remember him. He was like a little rough around the edges, but fundamentally a good kid. I remember, like as soon as I saw his name, I was like, I remember this dude. And he's like, I wanted to thank you because you became a comedian. And he's like, it, it's made it really easy to keep tabs on you. And because I'm able to follow you, he's like, I was just really psyched. I, I looked you up and I was just psyched to see you and your brother are both still alive. <laughs> alive. alive. That's all he wanted for you. Alive. He didn't even want well. He's like, you and he your brother, he's, you dude, I got a DM in my forties and he straight up was like, dude, great job being alive still. Great job breathing still, bro. And I, I've had a couple of that. Wow. I, I've had a couple, couple people who, uh, I've run into them. You know, people, you lose touch with people from yeah, your neighborhood yeah, and then you, yeah. you wind up crossing paths. And I've had a couple people who have said to me, like, you know, the stuff that went down with, with you guys was unforgivable and like i'm sorry i didn't step in more you know and dude the one guy the guy who i referenced who um who i said if i if he crossed the street in front of me i'd probably hit the gas i finally a couple of years ago i was writing a lot about this stuff and like i said i, I put a couple of these stories in in uh, an hour that's coming out later this year and i messaged the guy and at first i was kind of like this is the same guy you would run over the, the dude who I had, have said out loud, I would run him over with a car. And I'm like sitting here and I'm like nervous. Like, should I mess with this guy? I'm like, I'm in my forties. This guy was an asshole. I'm, and I'm feeling this childhood Wise, fear, yeah, you know? Course. So I just messaged him and I was like, hey dude, I was like, I'm not hung up on this. I'm not sitting around mad at you. I was like, I think you've heard I'm a comedian now and I'm, I'm, I'm working on some bits about my childhood. And I was like, and I'm not gonna name your name but I was just kind of wondering, like it, it might help me get some perspective on how to write these bits. I was like, why did you bully with all the smaller, like why did you bully all the smaller kids so much? You fucked with us so much, why'd you do it? And he was like, cause when I was little, the bigger kids fucked with me, bro. It's the way of the neighborhood. Hope you're well, dude. Good job on everything. I was like, he doesn't even, like it doesn't, they still, these kids don't blink. And some of these kids were like, targeting us. I have memories of getting punched in the fucking face by these people for no reason. Wasn't even talking, wasn't even talking shit. Just sometimes it happened, you know? Like, I, dude, I actually just had, a, a, you wanna talk about the worst it ever got for me. I remember one time that gang with that kid and that Puerto Rican kid, a few of the other Irish Catholic kids, we were once at this park in our neighborhood and they surrounded me and my brother and made us fight each other for their amusement. Get the fuck out of like, here. Like that's dark, right? That is really dark. Yeah. And I remember we were like, no, stop. Cause me and my brother, you, we were Irish Catholic brothers. Like it wasn't hard. We would fight yeah, all the time. Right, of course. Be like my turn for the game boy. Like, no, it's not motherfucker. Pow, my brother punches me. You know, like that wasn't, we were brothers, Irish Catholic brothers. We fit that cliche. Closest person in the world to me. And also we would battle. And they would think it was funny. And they're like, you guys fight, come on, fight. And we're like, no, stop, this is gross. And I remember they started, they picked us up. We were so much smaller, picked us up, started swinging our legs into each other, like smashing our bodies into each other to try to get us mad enough and worked up enough to fight. And we did to get out of there. We were like, we have to fight to get out of a circle of bigger kids, forcing us to have like a fucking kumite for their amusement. It's fucked up. That is fucked up. It's fucked up. Do you... I mean, how much do you attribute it to the last name versus also just being in a neighborhood full of bullies and your smaller kids? Like, if your name was Williams, are you getting as much? I can tell you that the get hard thing was actually not the biggest. That's what I'm feeling. It was not the biggest thing. It yeah. was it was it was being smaller and nerdier, being smart. Yeah. Being. Uh, I think these kids sense that me and him probably had a path out. Our family was like middle-class. Yeah. Like our family that's started, I, I remember being very young and I look back now and I go, oh, that's when we were working class. Oh, that's when we were lower middle-class. Oh, we moved a few blocks away to a neighborhood where it was still the same neighborhood, but now we were over Harrison Avenue and we got sent to a better, we got to take the bus up the hill to that school. Okay, that's when we were solidly middle-class and I could track that, you know? And some of these kids, I, like I said, I do feel great empathy for, because I go, if you're a kid and your dad drinks too much and hits you, you're going to want to hit somebody else. And unfortunately, that happened to be the smaller, smarter kids who it was maybe 
maybe they were sensing, oh, these guys are probably going to go to college. These guys are probably going to find a way out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at the core of it, I think. I think that was at the core of it. They actually made fun of me for having a giant forehead. They used to call me Megahead and it would piss me off. That was my childhood nickname, Megahead. And uh, that was uh, far more than the Get Hard thing. Because the Get Hard thing was like, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to do? I think also there was some subconscious element looking back on it of them being like, that's his, that's their dad's name too. Yeah. You know? Like there was some element of which you have to defend yourself. And there was some element of my parents did in a way that I think was sometimes justified and maybe sometimes not. More often than not though, justified of like, guys, at some point you got to go back out there and you got to solve it yourselves. You got to. I mean, look, man, unfortunately your name comes with some, you're going to have to defend yourself. Now you say your son's four? My son's four, yeah. So he's got the last name. You know it's coming at some point. There's going to be at least yeah. maybe not the way it was back then, but yeah. there's of course, kids are dicks. They are. There's going to be a kid or two or whatever that's going to get on them as soon as they learn what getting hard even is. Yeah. Which you're right. It's about middle school when you start figuring all that stupid shit out. It's going to be a fucking problem. Yeah. He already maybe six months ago I was in the car with him, and he said, "Daddy, what's a bully?" And it hit this, you can imagine for me. And I was like, um, you know, it's like, it's somebody who likes to pick on other people. And I was like, why are you asking me? And he, there's another kid in our neighborhood. He goes, is blank, I'm not going to say a kid's name, you know? He's like, is blank a bully? And I know the kid he's talking about in our neighborhood. And he's a, he's a good, his family's a good kid, but he is like, I'm like, Anytime you see kids in an argument in our neighborhood, he's at least there. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> yeah, that kid. Yeah. And I got a lot of love for this yeah, kid, but he's yeah, a shit stir. I, I hear you. Yeah. And he'll grow out of it because he's from a good family, but yeah. he is a shit. And I'm like, yeah. my son is not wrong. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I think that kid is. I was like, you're pretty smart, Cal. Because I think that you're, like, you're wondering what a bully is. And, you're, he, and yeah, you're right. He is. And I go, why do you ask? And he told me, long story where the kid said some some harsh stuff to a kid younger than him, closer to my son's age. This kid's probably five or six years older than my son. And uh, he got mad at one of the little kids in the neighborhood and said some real, some mean stuff to try to scare the kid. And I pulled the car over and I was like, Cal, if he ever says anything like that to you, you can tell me. I was like, if you need to say something mean back to him, you can. And I was like, and if if you ever, if he ever pushes you, or he ever makes you feel unsafe and you have to hit him. I was like, I don't know if you'll understand this yet. You're going to have to get in trouble for it, but I'm never going to be mad at you. That's the same thing I told my daughter. The same thing. Yeah. Don't you hit first. If you, you have to, though. You have to defend yourself. You can hit. Teacher said we can't. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll have a conversation with the teacher. You let me get in trouble with the teacher. Like, I'm, I might take you out for ice cream. Yeah, honestly. we're going to celebrate We might have that. a harsh conversation over ice cream. Like, that's, that's right. You know, like, because yeah. there's something also to be said for that of, like, your last name spells get hard. You are going to take some shit You're along the way. You're going to take their lumps. Yeah. Now, look, I hope I don't have to threaten to kill kids with a pipe. I hope I'm not. <laughs> that's good. You know, but I'll tell you what. A lot of those things that my dad did back then, I know. I, I looked back and I would laugh at those stories. I'd be like, "Man, my dad could go crazy." Now that I have a kid, I'm like, "He wasn't crazy at all. He was like pissed and felt backed into a corner and, and scared." Defending his family too, scared. It's defending a family, yeah. And when like calling the other parents and it's not changing, calling the school, we started to we all talk about it. the kids I all grew up with, dude. To this day, we all are like, "Man." I don't think this stuff was even getting written down because I think that school, I think it was all a property value game. I think a lot of us are like the worse, the more the reputation got out that that school was bad, the more that it would have affected house sale prices in that neighborhood. And they weren't going to let that happen. I don't think that stuff was even getting run up the chain. I think there were incident reports that they weren't even, they probably weren't even clicking the pen when the parents were reporting it. They weren't even writing it down. A lot of that stuff got swept under the rug. And uh, my son's not growing up in a place like that. So I hope it will be better, though he will have to deal with it. Um, And I'm hoping I can teach him how to handle it in a way that's like, you need to know where the boundaries are. And when they are crossed, you need to know when it's time to act. 
You need to understand that there will be consequences, that when you do have to act on them, it's gonna, there, you might have to get suspended or you might have to get yelled at a little bit. But if you ever sit it down, sit me down and explain to me, here's why what happened happened. And I sit here and I go, you needed to defend yourself because sometimes in life, nobody else is defending you. Like you're not, I'm not gonna be mad. I didn't tell him I'd be proud. There might be some elements of that along the way, but at the very least, I'm not going to be mad at them. I, I saw too much along the yeah. way, you know? Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. You ever try to get good tickets somewhere and you're like, oh, I got this seat, but you got to sit behind me? It happened to me one time. We got two seats together, one in front, one behind. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for the fun you'll have. The Game Time app makes it insanely easy to buy tickets for any event in your area. Once you open the app, you can sort by popular events in your area, by event type, sport music, or shows, or by venue. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. I know you guys want to know if I use this. I'm, I 100% did. Uh, Orioles are coming to play the Angels in September. I used the Game Time app. I checked my seats on the first base side behind the visitor dugout. Got some really good seats at a really good price, and I'm taking my daughter to her first ever professional sports game. Going to see the Orioles, all right? You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email, all right? Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HONEYDO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HONEYDO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I heard about Athletic Greens and decided to give them a try because my energy and my immune system could both use a little boost. It's become part of my morning routine, which means I'm starting every day feeling like I'm doing something great for my body. More than just greens, it's all your key health products like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more working together as one. It's made with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, System and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. You can even get it in convenient travel packs for when you're on the go, like I'm using on the uh, upcoming tour, Live and Alive. Go get your tickets at ryansickler.com. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash honeydew. That's athleticgreens.com slash honeydew. Check it out. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I know for me right now, I need to get my health squared away. That's the most important. I'm working on promoting a special. We're... Uh, doing two shows, a tour. It's a lot. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can always switch the therapist anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash honeydew today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash honeydew. Now, let's get back to the do. Well, let's flip the script because your mom took the last name, obviously, right? Did she, she did. My did, wife has not. Very smartly. My I, wife's last I, name is Bullet, like the bourbon. <laughs> dude, it was the quickest conversation ever. She's like, uh. From Bullet to Get Hard? Dude, she, she's no. like, you think I should take your name? I was like, fuck no. I'm like, you have the coolest last yeah, name. Perfect. Bullet, like the bourbon. <laughs> Spelled like the bourbon. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Chris Gethard. Like, you know, like, you're not signing up for that. I tried to convince her to let our son have a hyphenated name. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't do it. She was like, I don't know. I'm like, then he can use your name in school. She was like, I don't think so. She's like, a, 
she feels a little, she's like, maybe I should have taken your name or partnership. I'm like, I don't care. And like, that's I don't, not, I don't really believe in it. Some old archaic bullshit. That's when you used to sell women for right, sheep. Yeah, you know what I right. mean? Like, I we're getting some cattle here. I don't, yeah. But I was like, let's get it on his birth certificate. And then he can use that name in school. Who cares? She was like, I feel weird about it. But what about your mom? Did she encounter any of that? She took the name. I mean, my mom is quietly one of the funniest people I've ever met. So I think she always was able to laugh. You know, she was always able to make a comment under her breath. And my brother and I learned that too. That was another defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. I think I learned my father's, if you push me too far, you're gonna, like with me, I was small. My dad only had to set the example once. He was big. For me, I think I had a reputation of like, you can fuck with that kid, but amongst the small kids, he's gonna make That's it. That's a Tasmanian. He's devil. gonna make it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, you're yeah. probably gonna you win the fight, but guess what? Like, <laughs> it's gonna be a fight. You're, you're gonna not, be surprised. Yeah. Like, you're not leaving the same you're surprised. way you came in. Like, you're you might gonna be holding win. your ear when this motherfucker. Yeah, like you're gonna win, but like he's gonna be bleeding more. But you're gonna be bleeding a little bit yeah. too. You know, yeah. like that was my reputation. Yeah. Of, like that, and I also used to have a thing. It was so. I think I think back, dude, and it was so warped. Whenever I would get in a fight as a kid. I would get so emotionally worked up that I'd start crying. Yeah, that adrenaline. You know, the even adrenaline hit. Process it. Yeah, I remember so getting much. in fights with kids, and and I'd be like, <sighs> and like I feel the story when he's just, <laughs> and I feel the yeah. tears coming down my face. And I remember a few distinct times where that happened, where the bullies, I could see in their face that they were like, "What the fuck is going?" And they, and it was the last fight with that bully because they were like, "This is weird." There was one one in middle school that I pulled off that kind of stopped a lot of the bullying for me. There's one kid who kept, uh, he lived in my neighborhood and we'd walk to middle school and he'd, he'd walk on the other side of the street. And I'll remember, he always used to pretend he was pushing up his glasses. Cause I always used to, you know, I was that kid where like you're, you're in middle school, your glasses are in your book bag and they get bent. And I'd always be pushing up my glasses and he'd stand across the street and be like, hey, get hard. You're really cool, man. You're, and he'd pretend he was pushing up his glasses. And it went on for a couple days. And I was like, what's the deal, John? And I tried to ignore it. And uh, he was like, he was like one of these little like spineless, he was not big. He was like, he was a shit talker to try mm -hmm. to show off, you know? And then I noticed, oh, now he's got a guy with him from the neighborhood because he said, check this out. And now it's two of them across the street. And then it's three. And I'm like, I got to stop it. You know, I could feel it. I got to stop it. And I was starting to get scared. And then uh, he was a year older than me. And then we were walking home one day and we used to, like I said, you, you would walk past this chain link fence and then you were off school property. And you generally cut across this church parking lot and all the fights would happen there because the teachers wouldn't stop it. Mm -hmm. And like, but like I said, if you looked at the window, they were watch, they could see the fights. It was a chain link fence, yeah. see-through. Right, you could spit through the dam. So I mean, here's the gap in the fence. You step through it, fights there after school all the time. And this kid was following me and he's behind me. And now there's like three kids with him. And I got like my three buddies with me and we're all like, we're sixth graders. He's their seventh graders. He's behind me going, you're so cool, hard. You're so cool. And, uh, and uh, I could hear the other seventh grade kids laughing. I was like, oh, I gotta stop it. And I took my book bag off and put it on the ground and my back was to him. He's like, what are you gonna do, man? And I turned around and I was just crying. And I saw in his face, he was like, and I was like, <sighs> and the tears were coming. Cause I, once I knew I was going to get in a fight, it, cause I want to be clear with all these stories. There's not 1% of me that thinks this is cool. You're scared as fuck. I, I used to tell some of these stories in my twenties or I'd be on stage when I was coming up in comedy, 27, 20, be like, I used to actually, I know I'm nerdy, but I used to get in fucking fights, but I'm past the point of pretending that I ever thought there was anything interesting or commendable about having to do this. It's twisted. I wish none of this happened, but I'm like, ah, ah, and I saw in the kid's face, he was just like, oh no, no. And, <laughs> and I didn't say a thing. And I walked up and I can tell you, honestly, it was the best punch I've ever landed on a human. Fuck yeah. I put it, I put it on his chin Hell and he yeah. hit the floor. That's lights out on the chin. And the other seventh graders were like, oh, <laughs> And then it was just a crowd because people used to go to that parking lot to see the fight. And everybody was like, like, like yeah. you know, one of those kid fights where there's no adults around and there's mm -hmm. kids like actually dancing and yeah. joy at like the yeah. little kid, yeah. the little sixth grade kid put him on his fucking ass. 
And I turned around and I walked away and then he came after me the next day and he found me uh, a little bit further away and he got me down on the ground and he was kicking me, kicking me and I was trying to block him and an adult came out of a house and broke it up. Damn. And he never said another word to me after that. He tried to get his receipt and then got out of there. And even that one I would argue was a bit of a draw. He got me down, but he was trying to kick at me and I was trying to find my way back up and an adult came and was like, whoa, you got this is fucked up guys. Walk different threads. Some, you know, when it's an adult, nobody knows. Yeah, that's, Everybody scatters. Yeah, And that was like, uh, I got one fight in high school and it was a similar thing of some kid from the other side of town who didn't know my reputation <clears throat> threw something at me in the lunchroom and I turned around and took a, like one of those, you know, remember they used to sell like the iced tea and the, we had like an ice, an, an orange drink they sold in like a milk carton. Mm -hmm. It was like 50 cents back in the day. And I just took a full one and they had been throwing some food at my friends, these kids. And uh, finally it hit me and I just picked it up and turned around and was like, bah, and threw this full milk carton into the, and he was big. I remember as he stood up, I was a freshman. He was a sophomore, junior. As he stood up, I was like, oh, he's, it he just, just keeps going. going. He's like six one. I didn't hit puberty until junior year of high school. I'm like, oh my god. Oh god. So I remember like he's got orange juice all over. I remember him trying to like grab his clothes and hold him down as he was getting up to try to get some shots in. And then <laughs> yeah, I was like, no man. My, no, but I remember please, my hands. Please. I'm like, it's going past my eye line. Oh no. And I remember like coming off the ground, dude. I remember like thinking like someone break this up. Someone break this up. So, and like the teachers finally got there, and I was like, oh thank god. Oh thank god. And that was the last fight I got into in school. It's the last fight I ever got into in school, yeah. And and that was it after that? No more? I got in one fight at a concert, at a Weezer concert of all places, but that was just some idiot drunk. I was going to say, He was just completely be, idiotic, yeah. drunk, Jersey yeah. Shore kid. Yeah. Just some Jersey Shore fucking mook who, uh, he was cross-eyed drunk and tried to fight me. And he, he like bumped into me, so I sort of like brushed him away, not aggressive. And then all of a sudden he turned around, I saw him, I was like, what? He's coming, and he swung at me. And he missed and he hit a girl. Oh, and shit. And the girl's boyfriend obviously jumped in and we just threw him on the ground and security got there. That was the last actual, that was probably like 22 when that happened, 21 when that happened. Um, so that was an outlier. But as far as having to feel like I had to kind of fight to survive, which I guess is a melodramatic way to put it, but there, it's at the very least accurate to how I felt back then. Um, and this is not just me. It's very sad for me to realize every time I catch up with people I grew up with, it's like, we just, even on the days where there weren't fights, we walked around as kids scared, scared. that it was about to happen. Yeah. And it's not a good way to grow up, you know? Um, and it went on for years. And uh, yeah, it definitely affected my personality to this day. It did. Yeah. Oh, I've had to unwrap so much of it. So much of it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a lot of the lowlights of the childhood. I haven't thought about the time they forced us to fight. That's in crazy. a long time. Yeah, that really is. That's crazy. probably the low light. We probably got to the low light on that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Fight your brother for our amusement. I got it. Who won though? Who won? Draw. <laughs> well, even, the, even. You're yeah. like I'm gonna kill you. I would say, it. my dude, my brother though. It was crazy because he never wanted I mean, to. Listen, no offense. If it's a draw, I got to give you the W. You're three years younger and smaller. But we also were just looking for our way out. Yeah, of you know? course. Yeah. But I mean, dude, this guy, I was much more of a fighter than he was, but I've always told him, I'm like, it's nuts that you weren't a fighter because he, he was like a real nerdy guy. Like I was nerdy. He also had braces and stuff. Like, like there was. It's, we're all at our worst. Yeah. yeah. But he also, I was like, it's crazy you weren't a fighter because I knew he and I would fight sometimes. And there's been a couple times where he hit me and like put me on my ass. I'm like, you got a straight right that, you know, they say like you're born with the ability to punch or you're born with the ability to throw a baseball. Like those are two things that they say, like you're just kind of born with it in you. I'm like, cause you had a punch. He's like, I know it just wasn't, I just didn't want it. I look back, I go, man, it, it, it bums me out. But there's also something kind of beautiful about it because he was like, I didn't want to participate in that as like the baseline. Yeah, just because I, I can doesn't mean I want to. Like this shouldn't be happening. Whereas I, I have a lot of regret because I did opt into it. Why do you regret that? <sighs> Why can't they both be independently true of one another? Your brother's this Very way, interesting this thought. Way. Very, you know, it, it brings to mind like, I went, so I did the Jersey thing. I went to public school and then I went to Rutgers University, the mm -hmm. state school. 
And, you know, mo- a lot of places, this, it's state school, it's like a third of your graduating class winds up at Rutgers right. in New Jersey. Especially, we came from like a, like, not great high school, not awful high school. Everybody winds up at Rutgers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wound up two years of college living with a buddy who I went from kindergarten through Rutgers with. Damn. Grew up okay. a couple blocks away from me. We walked to school. He was there. A lot of the stories I've told you, this was a kid who was present for him, my buddy Butch. Mm-hmm. And we had this moment. I'll never forget. You don't mean a Butch anymore. No, nah, it was his last name. That oh, was his okay, last okay, name. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, of course you're going to use that. you don't need that. a Butch anymore. No, no, no. Yeah. But I remember, you know, you'd be sitting around in the dorm, in the lounge, and there's all these kids from different towns. And pretty much everybody's from New Jersey. Everybody's telling stories, trying to make each other laugh. And this person tells a story about this crazy thing that happened in their high school. And then this person who grew up in South Jersey tells a story about, oh, here's the senior prank day and what we did. And then me or Butch would be like, oh, we got one. And we'd tell one of our stories from West Orange and everybody would just go fucking silent (laughs) every time. And we'd be sitting at each other and they'd be like, that's not funny. And like, I'd be telling a story and Butch would be laughing like you just did. He'd be like, ah! (laughs) Or he'd be telling a story and I'd be like, ah, yeah, I was there. I was there for that part. Like the other part, I can't, he might be exaggerating. That shit I saw. And people would be looking at us like, what the fuck are you two talking about? And I remember one night, he and I were back in our room after one of those days. And I remember him just being like, dude, we just kind of assumed that's what, High school was like, and junior high school. We just, we thought everybody at every high school was dealing, was dealing with, with the this same shit. shit. Yeah, people fighting in a church parking lot. Teachers telling you it's off school property, so go deal with it on your own. We won't help. You know, the, we thought everybody had the kids where they, their parents were abusive, so they got a pass to just behave like maniacs sometimes. And then you, I remember us being in our room and him just being like, "Dude, it didn't." It didn't have to be like that. It wasn't like that for the rest of these people. We're coming off like psychos. It wasn't like that. And I remember he and I both got pretty mad. And I tell you, I I, I, I dealt with a lot of, I, I've always dealt with a lot of mental illness stuff. Are you talking about personally or in personally, your family? Personally. Okay. I mean both, but personally. And uh, it's a chick, I, I think back, it's a chicken and an egg thing. Like, was I really depressed because of this stuff? Was this stuff exasperating this existing thing and making it worse? But I actually think back to it and I go, my freshman year of college, when Butch and I realized that, that was when the depression for the first time got really, really out of control. Really? Yeah. In what way? Because I I can verbalize this now. Back then I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it. But to realize like there's this, like I have all this anger and I have a lot of fear. We grow up like that. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, co- like, to this day, I'm still somebody, like, you know, my wife will be like, I'm just running to the store. Let's not lock the doors. I'm like, no, you lock the fucking doors. Like, I'm just someone who's just like, assume the worst is going to happen. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Assume the worst is going to happen. Always. And it was, you can imagine how pronounced it was when I'm out 18, 19 years old at college, living on my own for the first time, not in that town. And I think because a lot of the kids in the neighborhood also had parents who grew up there and grandparents who still lived there. Like I could see into my grandfather's backyard from my bedroom window. Okay. My dad's sister lived right around the block. My other grandparents lived three blocks away. My mom's sister lived two blocks away. But what starts to happen is you grew up that way. Your parents grew up that way. Your grandparents raised them that way. So this is normal. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a town that maybe wasn't that tight knit with all these very idiosyncratic things and you realize, oh, it wasn't normal. And that realization of like, I have this cynicism, this feeling that people have bad intentions, this feeling that you better get your own back because nobody else is gonna get your back. The, you know, these feelings that you got to be able to, you got to be ready to cut and run from situations because if it starts to get wild, you might need to just get out of a situation. Those were things that were so inherent to me. And to realize that that wasn't just how it was, that it could have been different, that those fucking teachers 
could have been doing more. Protectors, yeah. Yeah. It filled me with like so much regret and anger. And it really flared up bad. And then the depression really set in, you know? Yeah. I remember, um, you know, there were times where, and I remember a specific thing with my brother where my parent, my mom went to the school to pick him up because some bad, bad stuff had happened. And he actually had a bone broken. He had a broken shoulder from Damn. the thing that happened in school. And um, my mom was like, okay, this is, you know, not the first thing that's happened, but this is, I'm gonna have to take the kid to the hospital. Yeah. She goes, so what's gonna happen to the kid? And they go, well, you know, his uh, family life is really bad. And we have been made aware that their father is physically abusive with this family. This family had a lot of kids. Like we've been made aware it's physically abusive. So uh, with this family, um, we've learned that we can't suspend or expel the kids because it's leading to physical abuse in their home. Because they go home, they're stuck home. And their dad. And my mom's going, that's awful. I feel so bad for that kid. But my son has a broken bone. And like, you think of that. And then to get to college and realize like, oh, not not everybody else had shit like that swept under the rug. No. not yeah. Like, I think back now as an adult and a father, and I'm like, all right. Suspend that kid and call in, in Jersey, it was DIFUS, the Division of Youth and Family Services. Mm -hmm. Get those kids out of that house with that dad. You weren't helping us. You weren't helping my brother. You weren't helping- Get help the fucking dad out. You weren't, yeah. you, you get him arrested. Right. You weren't helping anybody. You weren't no helping one. that family yep, by sweeping it under up. the rug. Yeah. Okay, like we don't want to exacerbate the abuse at home. I agree. So you're basically just turning a blind eye to it instead. And we're living in this consequence-free environment when there's actual, and now I'm also old enough and smart enough to know that kid who's 12, 13 years old doing that, that's a cry for help from the kid. The kid doesn't want to get away with breaking somebody else's bone. The kid's living, if you're a 12-year-old kid fighting to the point where a bone gets, you're living in a horror show in yeah, your own you head, are. you know? Yeah. So shit like that, I just look back on it, I'm like, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. And I have this very layered relationship with my old neighborhood where I'm like, I still, still am like, I don't care anything I've done in entertainment, anything that, anything that seems fancy, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, a, like I think of myself as like a down the hill kid. I'm like down the hill. And that's like a piece of my identity too. But I also have so much actual like hatred of what that meant 30 years ago, you know? Is there anything positive that's come out of this negative that you actually do appreciate? I mean- um, Or maybe it's made you someone that you might not have been had you not been- I'm glad you like asked. That. Cause I can say a million, like I look back now and I'm like, man, Almost all of the failings of my hometown and my childhood experience come down to teachers and administrators and that bullshit where they were looking the other way. Mm -hmm. Because actually, so many kids I grew up with are like, when I tell you like, I just recently found my junior high school yearbook. I'm going through it. And I'm like, about a third of the class is black. There's Asian kids, Hispanic kids, probably like 65% white kids. I'm like, I grew up with everybody. I also want to be clear too. I hope it's been made clear in case anyone wants to read between the lines. I, I think I've said a million times, the kids who had who gave it to me hardest, who I still resent the most, were other Irish Catholic kids, mm -hmm. mostly the Catholic school kids. The public school kids, I'm like, I've talked to other people I grew up with where I'm like, man, like people have this dream of diversity being a good thing today. And we had that in the 90s in a high school, in a middle school and a high school in New Jersey. When I got to my high school, they told us, there were 40 different languages spoken amongst the student body. Damn. I got there in 1995. You know, people today would be trying to like move to a school system mm -hmm. to have their kids raised around that. Grew up with everybody. And I think a lot of people who I grew up with will agree, like put us in a room with people who look different than us, grew up a different way than us, different background. 
we'll fight, we'll figure out a way to talk to each other because we all figured that out. And that that is a thing that I look back on and I'm like, I mean, learning how to fight for myself, I think absolutely helped a career in entertainment, you know? Yeah. Figuring out how to take a knock and get back up. And yeah, n- yes, absolutely. Figuring get knocked out- down, get up, and also not, and let some shit roll off you too. Like that, what you're saying to me right now is not is nothing compared to and what I've dealt with in life. Letting stuff roll off you for sure. But then also the other thing too of like having your ego fucked with and still knowing how to finish the day, even when it's not rolling off you. Yeah. Just like, man, I got fucking embarrassed right there. But there's three hours left in the day and I better put my game face back on and get through it. Even though it's going to be sitting inside and I'm going to be pissed all day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to have both those things coexist is really good in entertainment. Of like, hey, here's something that makes you feel awful or something that makes you feel pissed. Or make you question yourself. But also you can still function while that's happening. That's a skill. Yeah. So I've learned some of that. But I think... That, that's the, I think back to it, I go, man, growing up in the environment I did where there's so many different people, you know, black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids, Catholic kids, Jewish kids, everybody, all mixing together. I'm like, man, that in many ways was a real source of strength that a lot of us, when we see each other are still like, that was fucking cool. And imagine how much even better it could have been if those teachers and administrators we're doing things the right way. Like it, it could have been, it could have been like a success factory, that school yeah. system. But they were worried about the wrong things, you know? Um, but even in spite of that, I think a lot of us grew up where it's like, you know, certain parts of North Jersey are like that because it's so dense. It's like you put a North, even me, I'm like an introverted guy, but you put me in an environment and I'm generally going to figure out, I had a friend of mine recently, um, I tour with the Beautiful Anonymous podcast and my producer tours with me, comes on the road to record them. And she's like, there's a very weird thing about you where she's like, I've now spent enough time on the road with you. Car rides, plane rides, sitting in airport terminals, eating at restaurants, doing the shows. She's like, you are undoubtedly an introvert. I see it. I've also never met someone who can get into a conversation with an Uber driver quicker than you can. I feel the same. I'll small talk <laughs> the shit out of everybody, but I do feel at heart I'm an introvert. An ex- I feel like I'm an extroverted introvert, if that makes any fun. I know I get up in front of hundreds, thousands of people, whatever, and do this thing, but I also don't – I also just want to go the fuck home and be by myself. Absolutely. You know? And I said I, – I thought about it after she said it. I was like, that's funny. But I'm like, I th- first of all, you grow up in the most densely populated state. You are, people are – everyone's around each other all the time. And I think also just growing up the way I did, I quickly learned like, all right, I'm in a room with you. Let's figure out something we have in common. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out something to talk about. Oh, that? I'm smart. I have a question about that. Oh, you grew up where? Oh, I actually went – you're in that country? I've never been there, but I've been in the country next door to it. It was beautiful. You know, like – and I think some of that has served me really well. And some of that was probably born as a defense mechanism when yeah. I was young of like, I got to find the common ground with everybody really quick. Because when you grow up scared, you better walk into a room and be like, okay, there's six of you guys and you're starting to laugh. Well, if one of, if I've made one of you laugh, or if I realize that if we've had a conversation about how your mom and my mom went to elementary school together, mm-hmm. or We've had a conversation about how like, oh, you actually grew up in Newark. Oh, my dad went to high school in Newark a few blocks from there. Now I've been humanized. So right. maybe out of that group of six that's laughing when I walk in the room, there's one of them that goes, he's cool guys. You know, and that, I learned that young. I learned that young and that has served me well. And you know, now that it's in a context where it's not about safety, it can be used pretty well in a room where you walk into a comedy club and there's a whole bunch of comedians that know each other and you don't know each other. I can generally sit down and figure a way in, you right. know? I'm on the road and there's a venue and maybe things aren't set up the right way and the sound isn't working and we got, okay, I can figure out a way to make a joke where this isn't gonna be tense. We're all just gonna get through it, you know? And a lot of that was the defense mechanisms of my youth. So let me ask you this then. After talking about everything we've talked about, I asked my first-time guest advice they would give to their 16-year-old self. So I am actually very curious because this is during that pocket of high school for you. So what advice would you give 16-year-old Chris? There's a couple things I would say, which is uh, one that directly applies to all of this. And it's a piece of advice that was given to me. 
and I am bummed because I don't remember who said this to me, but one of the big things that helped me unwrap a lot of stuff was, I remember someone when I was like college, post-college, and I was still very much like on guard and had that thing of like, oh, you want to be my friend? Prove to me why I should allow mm. it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I had somebody say to me like, you know, man, like, People will surprise you all the time, but you gotta let them. And that changed a lot of things for me. So I would pass that advice on. Cause if I got that when I was 16, it made it's made so much inherent sense to me mm -hmm. that it would have made sense at 16. And it would have diffused a lot of the tension of just like people, most people aren't bad. Most people are good to neutral. And most people want to find a reason to laugh with you mm -hmm. or have something in common with you. Allow that in. Life will be easier. And that helped. And then another one, which is has, you know, absolutely nothing to do with what we've talked about. I would tell my 16-year-old self, like, hey, in two years, you're going to go to Rutgers. Don't fall in love with that girl who lives on your floor freshman year. It's going <laughs> to fuck up your whole college experience. <laughs> But you and her are going to remain lifelong friends. Keep it friendly because when you dabbled with romance, holy shit, did it fuck with both your heads. Don't fall in love with her. Don't fall in love with her. You, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to have a lot more fun in college if you're not worried about that one girl you met freshman year. Go have more fun in college. Let your guard down. Hell yeah. Thank yeah. you very much dude, for coming thank on. You. Dude, thank you. We real. got we got dark. We got intense. I um, guess I should have expected it, but it went to some places I didn't expect. Will you please promote everything again as well one more time? Sure. Yeah. If, if people like, you know, honest conversations and feel like I've shown you that I can navigate one of the beautiful anonymous podcasts, go subscribe today. ChrisGeth.com to keep tabs on my ticket sales and, you know, Chris Geth on Instagram, Chris Gethard on Twitter. Those are all the usual places. All right. Thank you very much again. Thank you, dude. Uh, as always, Ryan Sickler on all social media, ryansickler.com. Go watch the special. Come see me on tour. We'll talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.